Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Hey, Keely. Hey, Chris. Welcome to Heard It on the Sidelines. Heard It. Heard It on the Sideline with Shotgun Spratling. Spratling. Whoop, 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 whoop. That's our breaking news alert going off. I don't, we don't have any of the cool buttons like Chris. I don't have any drops to throw in there. But welcome to an emergency episode of the Hurt on the Sidelines podcast with Shotgun Sprattling. No one tell Ryan, but we're doing a basketball emergency podcast and on a Saturday night, much less, uh, because there's big news that dropped a couple hours ago. Sierra Canyon five-star guard Bronny James, who's not spoken about or publicly mentioned recruiting at all, <laughs> at all, <laughs> didn't even speak to the media throughout the entire uh, duration of basically his high school career, did a little bit after it, some of the all-star games. But he announced on his Instagram earlier today that he's committing to USC. Now, is that emergency podcast worthy for the Trojans to pick up a five-star commitment? No, not necessarily. Andy Enfield's done that a handful of times during his tenure as USC's head coach. We didn't necessarily do an emergency podcast even when the number one player in the class, Isaiah Collier, committed to USC. No, we did do one you know, uh, the day after, if I remember correctly. So what's the big deal? Well, this is the most widely recognized high school athlete in the nation, and it isn't even close. LeBron James' son, LeBron James Jr., he goes by Bronny. You might have heard him of him before. You might have seen him if you're watching the Lakers game because they keep showing him uh, during the games, during the broadcast. He's coming to USC. So I wrangled up our intern, Adam Jasper, who did such a great job for us covering the team last year with me on the opposite coast. We're going to talk about this breaking news. So how are we doing tonight, Adam? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Hey, first of all, thanks for taking a moment to be a journalist instead of a college student. I know it's a Saturday evening, so we're going to try to keep this episode tight, let you get back to being a college kid. We'll see if you can get to the row, whatever you need to do tonight. But let's start with your initial reaction. When did, How did you find out and what kind of went through it? Because I will tell you, I found out because Adam actually texted me. I was driving back from Lehigh, home of C.J. McCollum, who USC actually played earlier during his Lehigh days. I was driving back from a baseball game there, got a text, and I was like, oh, crap, I got to pull over, got to pull over, see what's going on here, start going through Twitter, seeing the, the Instagram message. But, Adam, how did you find out? What was your initial reaction to seeing that, that Bronny had committed to USC? Well, first, I'm glad I was able to break the news to you. Um, so I'm actually home right now. Uh, all my finals left are virtual, so I'm kicking them to the can. And uh, just went home to see family. Uh, and I was sitting on my bed and – Found it on my phone. Just a quick refresh. Got a text from a group chat. As simple as that. I immediately went to Twitter. Boom, right there. I mean, it was fast. And it was, uh, you know, this is. I'll make the football comparison. It was a little bit like my reaction when I heard the Lincoln Riley news uh, of that hire. Uh, kind of that level of, I'm running around the house. Like, what is going on? This is crazy. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, and we'll get into it a little bit more, but this was kind of coming. And the, this, this, the writing was on the wall. Uh, but I still had that kind of just moment of like, wow, I cannot believe that Bronny James has committed to USC. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. It's been a super interesting recruitment just in total because it's been so secretive. 
And, you know, a lot of people in the last month or so, six weeks, eight weeks, have been like, oh, yeah, he's going to go to USC. And I've talked to sources within the the USC, you know, in, in the building in Galen Center, and they're like, I don't know where everybody keeps getting this because we're not talking to him. You know, you have to go through a certain person, and, like, it's not a normal recruitment. And if you're a member of the Peristyle, you got a chance to read some of that, I guess, on the background um, in the, the war room this weekend. But, you know, you know, there was a lot of things where we're not actively recruiting him like we would Isaiah Collier. We're not actively recruiting him like we would anybody else. It's a completely different thing. And it was kind of like we're not saving a spot for him. We're not doing anything special because we don't know what's really going on in this recruitment because no one really has that, that, you know, face-to-face interaction, that one-on-one relationship with him just because of how everything was structured with the family and how the, you know, the, the whole process played out. Then there was a, there was a visit last week, I believe it was a week and a half ago now, you know, that the Bronny came it was the first time he'd been on campus. Now he'd been in the Galen Center because Sierra Canyon had played there. They played against Isaiah Collier, actually, USC's top uh, recruit, top commit. He probably was there when Space Jam was, Space Jam 2 was being filmed and different things like that. But as far as being on campus, checking out all the academic side, the actual college side of it, this was his first time. And, you know, he was recognized from some students. We had it got thrown up on the P, all that type of stuff. Um, so, you know, it started feeling like, OK, this is getting a little bit closer, a little bit more inevitable. And I started hearing those type things from sources inside the building saying it seems like this is going to happen more, more than likely. So I wasn't shocked by it. But it was interesting because I had some people say, I don't think he's even going to make an announcement. I think he's just going to roll. It's going to be super quiet. No one's going to know. And, you know, I was hoping that I was trying to, you know, talk people into like, Hey, we should find out, you know, that he's actually enrolled. If he's, he signs up, you know, send it this way. Let, let's let, let's let uh, uscfootball.com break the news. Um, but he actually puts it out on his Instagram. So I thought that was interesting, you know, because he hasn't put, anything out about recruiting there's no there's been no top list there's been no hey i'm going to visit this school hey thanks for this offer you know all the normal things you see in a recruitment so i thought that was interesting they just kind of pop like that and then dad comes up uh you know i think an hour or so later on instagram you know saying you know giving a fight on as well so that was kind of interesting seeing lebron put on a fight on but so that was kind of my initial reaction you know, like I said, I was on the road driving and got the text and was like, all right, let me pull over real quick and start going through some of this stuff and seeing what's going on. Uh, but it was interesting that you mentioned that the Lincoln Riley because that one was super shocker. Uh, a little bit, the Clay Helton one was a little bit of, of a super shot. Not that it was un, unanticipated. I think this was maybe a little bit closer to Clay Helton. That we thought it might happen eventually, but you didn't. I didn't necessarily think it was going to happen today type of thing. Uh, you know, it just kind of popped up like that. And, you know, it was on a weekend they're very media savvy, so it's interesting. It's on the day of a Lakers game. I don't know if any of that had played in at all or if it was just like Bronny's like, all right, I figured it out. Well, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm just going to go for it. So uh, yeah, I don't know if we'll get the backstory on that eventually or not, but I, I got to ask you, can you believe you're about to be going to school, potentially being classmates, sitting in, you know, sitting next to or down the row from the Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, the number one high school boys basketball player in Isaiah Collier, the number one high school girls basketball player in Juju Watkins, and then the most high-profile high school kid in the nation in LeBron James Jr., Bronny James, LeBron's son. And also, you know, Kobe's daughter is also at USC too. And, you know, there's always some celebrities here and there um, at USC or famous kids uh, of people. But that selection right there, just of those five people that I mentioned, 
And that's gotta be gotta be crazy for you as a student. What what's kind of you know what's kind of your thoughts that hey I might you know end up in a class if I have a Gen A class or something I might be with you know by Bronnie I might be with Caleb Williams or you know you never know who's going to be in your classroom right now. Yeah, I mean it's a great time to be a Trojan <laughs> student. Uh, to put it very simply, it's pretty unbelievable. And obviously, you know, you see Caleb walking around campus every so often and like all the kind of stars. But I think with I honestly, it might sound crazy. I think Bronny will be like a much bigger deal on campus than Caleb. Like you don't see people flocking around Caleb Williams as much as he is kind of a national star at this point. I mean, obviously a national star, not even kind of, um, you know, still like there's still not that kind of like magnetism of like people trying to surround them or get autographs or something like that. I genuinely think that that could be the case with Bronny James. Hey, the, the name speaks for itself, LeBron James Jr. Like, and just the, the, the kind of idea that, I mean, obviously LeBron James has been so uh, like intertwined in his son's basketball career, um, like even just throughout high school, even middle school, he's always there on the sidelines. So it did kind of make sense that, you know, just down Figueroa Street from Crypto.com Arena is the Galen Center. Uh, it kind of did make sense that Bronny James would want to kind of stay home and be close to that. And LeBron James being on the sidelines at Galen Center is, let me just say, going to be unbelievable. Uh, that place is going to be packed out like no other. Uh, a lot of people have been throwing around hardest ticket in L.A. Uh, to get. Um, and I, I don't entirely disagree. And it comes as such a just an energy provider to a program that really is headed in the right direction. And at a time where the Pac-12 is now all of a sudden looking a lot more open with UCLA, you know, obviously having a lot of guys go to the draft, Mari Bailey, Jaime Hakas Jr., all the uh, veteran lot that they were so successful with, it really feels like this could be a time for USC to jump out um, and, you know, take advantage of that with the kind of talent that they're bringing in, returning guys like Boogie Ellis, who I did not expect to return whatsoever. He was very, uh, he was unequivocal in his, no, I'm not coming back statements uh, during the season. And that must have changed. Uh, and yeah, I think as well, the, the lead up to this uh, in terms of who is coming in and out was definitely very suspect uh, in terms of like, just the transfers, you had six man of the year, Reese Dixon Waters in the Pac-12. He's headed to San Diego State. You had Trey White leaving. That was the one that really caught my eye. I was like, Trey White, you know, the freshman had a very good season, started almost the entire year. You were thinking he was going to make that sophomore leap, a lot like a guy like Kobe Johnson. Uh, but no, he's decided to transfer and hasn't really been a part of the spring uh, past basketball season with USC Hoops. And so at that point, I was like, okay, something uh, something's going down. And I think Bronny might be uh, inevitable here. Um, and it was never a lock. Obviously, he kind of had the informal three of USC, Oregon, and Ohio State. It was kind of getting thrown around. I don't know if you, Shotgun, had a place that you thought he was going to go. To me, it was Oregon. I thought that the Phil Knight Nike ties were going to pull through. But what did, what did you kind of think leading up to it? I mean, like I said, uh, you know, talking to people around the program, you know, I didn't think that USC was necessarily a spot. But I also was told from, from one source that said, we're we're not necessarily recruiting them like it's that we're recruiting but I don't think any of the other schools are either like everyone just felt like they were out in the blue now, I don't know if there was actual communication between any of the the people behind the scenes like hey you heard anything you heard it? this is just weird um because you know some coaches talk some you know support staff talks and th- different things like that but yeah it was just it was such a unique recruitment I just you know I don't even worry about getting into it like oh is he gonna go here he's gonna you know, it just seemed like, uh, you know, it's it such a unique 
recruitment. And I was just like, why is he never talking to anyone? I was, that was what just baffled me, especially when he, he did speak to the media at the, the USA hoop summit. And they were, you know, he was very eloquent. You know, he spoke, he answered questions really well. Um, and it's like, why, why are you not having him, you know, you know, you don't have to have him speak to everyone, but you know, a little bit here, a little bit there type of thing. It'll be interesting to see if there's any restrictions when it comes to USC, you know, that's something that, me and you are obviously going to be, you know, very intrigued by to see, you know, are we going to get a chance to talk to him on a regular basis or is it going to be something super special? You only get a ch- chance to talk to him at a certain time or does he not never talk at all? We'll see how much influence LeBron has on that and everything else. All that will come out later. So, you know, it's interesting. You, you mentioned the team. We're going to get into that. You mentioned, uh, you know, we're going to talk about how he kind of fits into where, where the team is now. But first, I got to start with you mentioned the crowd. And this is one of the things that's been one of the biggest disappointment. Now, I it's it's very interesting to me. I covered the forty-two to thirty-six loss to Cal Poly. Was, that I think that is the lowest point for USC basketball, in my opinion. You only scored thirty-six points in a game, and to a, you know a mid-major Big West team that's not a consistent contender or anything in Cal Poly. That was the Kevin O'Neill. Um, Bob Cantu year, I believe was the, the year that Kevin O'Neill was fired and then Bob Cantu took over maybe the year before that. But like, that was the low point for me. Like it was not fun basketball to watch and who wants to come watch that type of game to begin with. Even if your team's winning those type of games, like that's hard to come and watch to now you're going to have the number one point guard in the nation. And a kid that is electric is so much fun to watch, in my opinion, Isaiah Collier, because he is a dog on both ends of the court. Uh, he is going to, you know, he's going to get some foul trouble at times this year because he goes after people on the defensive end. And then you're going to add the celebrity of Bronny. But, you know, you talk to anyone around Bronny, you talk to his teammates. I've done that. I've, I've seen him play in the past. You know, it's been a couple of years since I've seen him in person, but I watched a lot of stuff, of course, because everything is out there and one must know about him. Um, but talking to his teammates in the past about playing with him. Um, talking to people on the USC staff uh, about uh, you know the interactions they've had with him, the national people, you know their conversations with people that have played with him, the other players in the McDonald's game, all those things. He's a great teammate. That's what every single person says. So I'm curious to see how he kind of fits in. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But his magnetism, along with the playmaking ability, Isaiah Collier, the fact if Vince Iwachuku takes another step forward, what spe- how special he could potentially be. You know, it's just going to be fun to watch, I think. And I'm really interested to see if the fans finally fully support this team. You know, it was very, de- it was devastating to me as someone that's followed this program for no one to be there in 2020 because Evan Mobley was so much fun to watch. And Tajidi was just, you know, came out of nowhere and was really fun to watch. And there was no one allowed to be there. And so it was just kind of disappointing that USC gets this generational player and Evan Mobley, you know, a top three pick. And no one can watch him. And so you feel like there's a missed opportunity. Now, give credit to Andy Enfield and his staff, the you know assistant coaches, the sports staff, everyone there, their recruiting chops of being able to continue to even get better and better classes. And now you're bringing Isaiah Collier, the number one player, bringing him across the country. You know, that's still kind of crazy to me that, that USC was able to pull that off. But to bring in that type of player, and now everyone gets to get excited about it. So you're going to have your Fairweather fans are just there because of the Bronny celebrity, the potential, hey, maybe LeBron will be there. I'll get to see him. Maybe I'll get a picture, that type of thing. But I think your hardcore USC basketball fans, the the select few that there are, 
should be super excited too because you know they now get to cheer with an entire arena of like-minded fans that are rooting on the Trojans. So I, I'm really curious to see if it is packed house constantly, and does that depend on Bronny's minutes? Do, you know, all those type of factors will end up playing into it. But you know, what's your take on what this means for the program at large as far as the overall aura of the program? Yeah, I think this couldn't have come at a better time if you really think about the context of where this program is headed. And I'm talking about the Big Ten. Uh, It's no secret that Big Ten basketball is so much bigger of a deal with every existing Big Big Ten team now than it is at USC. And all you have to do is just look at the crowd to see it. Uh, Last year, even with the team that, sure, like you can give it to the fans. Like the team was not hyped and anticipated in the way that next year as well, or they even, uh, like you said, like a 2020 team, uh, obviously people couldn't be there for that. You missed out on that opportunity, but still, you know, the attendance is always lacking. And even the students, like sometimes I'm surprised. I look over to see that student section and it's just weak. And I can assure you that student section will be rocking every single game with Bronny James there. That's the one thing that you can count on. I'm not as I'm sure about, you know, just kind of the general public, the crowd. Um, I just have never really thought that USC basketball has had that contingency of people that care and want to be there. Um, obviously, for the UCLA game, they'll pack it out. And I was surprised with the Arizona State game at the end of the season last year. That was that was good attendance as well. But I think the main difference is just the student hype. I mean, there might be lines for games that you would have never expected, uh, especially some of those first home games. Uh, versus, you know, the line games are usually only UCLA at home and Arizona at home. Those are Mm -hmm. the two ones that people will be waiting in a long line for. I really anticipate that it's going to just ignite uh, specifically the the student fan base at USC are going to have a lot of a reason to come out. And I mean, like, come on, like LeBron is going to be on the sideline. That might be (laughs) enough just to get people in the building. It's as simple as that. Uh, And, you know, on the court, the play is going to be pretty electric, too. LeBron James is his father's son. He's athletic. That is like LeBron James is one of the greatest athletes of all time, in my opinion. And Ronnie James isn't too far from that. You know, he's going to be electric. Uh, the scouting report on him to me is very interesting because, you know, with the reputation of being LeBron James's son, it's, oh, he's going to be the star. He's going to be the ball handler. He's going to be involved in a ball hog. Some people are already calling him for, uh, just even before he hits the court for USC. But if you read any of the scouting reports, it's this guy knows how to play the game the right way. And that's what they are overwhelmingly saying. Uh, scouts, you know, a good three and D player uh, is going to be slotted into this USC basketball team. And I think it's going to, from what I can tell, I think it's going to work out well, obviously, where do you put him? How many minutes does he get? That's a whole nother issue. Uh, but yeah, I mean, exciting play is coming. And with the guys that are returning, there were points at last season where the guards were flying. And I remember that Utah game at home was just really fun with the way the guards were getting out and running. Obviously, you're not going to have a guy like Trey White who is doing that a lot. But returning Boogie Ellis, Isaiah Collier, who is an elite passer, is going to be um, great to have in this system. And it could be f- a fun brand of basketball on top of all the kind of celebrity hype that, that um, the program is getting as well. Yeah, definitely. With Isaiah Collier, you're going to have that. He wants to push the tempo. He wants to get out. And if you get Vince Iwachukwu fully healthy, he has the ability to run the court like that. Josh Morgan showed that ability late in the season, did some really nice things at the end of the season, running the floor. Um, you know, and, and Boogie's 
Boogie's going to be able to get out and spot up. The same thing with Bronny. You know, Bronny can go up and get some balls too. He's not. He's nowhere near as athletic as his dad. He's nowhere near six foot nine like his dad. He's nowhere near as the tank like his dad. Um, but you know, he does things a different way. And the biggest thing is the IQ. Like you mentioned that. That's what everyone kind of points at. He's a good teammate. He doesn't try to do too much, and he just kind of finds his role and where it is. And, and it was very interesting. Um, you know, watching him as, I guess, a sophomore when he was playing with Zaire Williamson and, you know, a couple other players, uh, B.J. Boston, the guys that are already in the NBA now. But he was – so he's not going to be the guy at that time. But, okay, let me be the facilitator. Let me play defense at all times. He's always been a good defender. Um, But let me be the facilitator. I'll set these other guys up. And then this year, you know, he had to take on more of a scoring role, but he could be a spot-up shooter too. And now with uh, Isaiah Collier – you know, I think it's going to be interesting because Isaiah Collier can set everybody up, and Bronny showed in the McDonald's All-American game he can knock down shots. We'll see if he can do that. So I, I think it's very interesting. If you get him and if Oziah Sellers can get on uh, track where we thought he could potentially be last year, you know, a lot of people were raving about his shooting ability coming into the season last year and it never really, uh, you know, showed up. If you get those two guys as knockdown shooters you can put in the corners – then I think the offense takes another step uh, up just from you know being able to replace guys that weren't hitting shots with Trey White. Um, and Reese Dixon Waters w- was one of the better shoot- three-point shooters, but he preferred the the mid-range jumper. But let's say you just switch those two guys out with those ISLers and Bronny and they're knockdown shooters, then that changes the whole dynamic, I think, of the offense because now Boogie can drive and kick a little bit more. So that opens up the spaces, the floor a little bit more to give him some uh, some other opportunities. And then I, I think when you have Vince down in the, in the block and if he continues to progress his game, he gives you more of a back-to-the-basket type of presence. So now, you again, you can draw a double team. You can do different things like that that we saw when you know run the offense through the bigs a little bit more. So it'll be interesting to see if they go with the four-guard system again. Now, I think part of that may depend on if they can get one more big, one more forward, I should say. Maybe not a big necessarily, but like Keisha Johnson from San Diego State is a guy that you know came on a visit a couple weeks ago. He's the, their ideal four right now because he plays great defense. He can. They think he can shoot a little bit more than he's shown in the past, um, and you know he could potentially be another guy that helps space the floor a little bit, and can also get up and get you know throw throw dunks down, do different things like that. Can run the floor, um, but you know he, he could be an interesting four for them, kind of filling in for Trey White. He's basically Trey White that's older, and you know plays more defense, maybe a little bit less offensive potential than Trey White. So it'd be it's an interesting trade off there. And, and Trey White, you know, it's unfortunate that he didn't decide to stay at USC. But you know, one person told me he's like, this is gonna. I think it was. I think he said it was gonna be. This is gonna be his fifth school in five years, or his sixth school in six years, something like that. So it's like it was kind of like it's unfortunate. Maybe we should have seen this coming type of thing uh, just because he's been a guy that's jumped around in the past and not stayed too long. Um, but, you know, he, he had a chance to take a big jump forward. We'll see who else takes a jump forward. Kobe Johnson took one last year. Is Oziah Sellers ready to step in and be a, a contributor? That'll be interesting. But also Bronny himself. That's one of the things everyone's looking at. Like, you know, there's a lot of the discussion, like his ranking on our 24-7 sports. You know, he got moved up. He's a five-star. He's 26th, 27th um, overall in uh, the final rankings for the 2023 class. A lot of people ask the question about, is he a one and done, all that type of stuff. And they go, well, you know, I've seen him play this year. But they're not really looking at the fact that he's got 12 more months to get better. And what has he done every 12 months? If you followed his career, 
he's taken big strides forward. He took really big strides this season, this year as a senior, um, from even from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. So I'm curious to see what he continues to develop in his game. You know, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but he's got a dad that can help him develop as a player too, that kind of knows the game. Um, so you know, we'll see where Bronny's at even from where he was as, you know, as a high school senior to where he is as a freshman. So those, those are all interesting things for, for me to kind of, to kind of look forward to seeing the progression of those guys. That's one of my favorite things is seeing how guys progress and get better because it's such a big time for development in your career, in your life, you know, as an 18 to 20, 22 year old, 24 year old now with all these COVID seniors. But um, so where do you think he kind of fits on this roster? We talked about, he can be a three and D guy, do you see him as a starter potentially next year? Uh, you know, from what you've seen from him playing in the all-star games, different things, playing with Isaiah Collier, and they've kind of got a little bit of rapport already. Do you see him as a starter? Do you see him as a guy that comes off the bench and maybe he's a stopper? Um, you know, where do you kind of see him fitting in right now? You know, I think head coach Andy Enfield might not have a choice. He might have to start Bronny James. And it's purely because of the name, and it sounds crazy, and it might be bad for the team on the court. Uh, but I think that just the name that comes with it, it, it you know, from, from what we've heard about Bronny himself, don't get me wrong, he's a selfless player, just a, a, a good teammate, and I think he would be willing to accept that role. But you also have to understand, maybe one of the motivations of him coming to USC was to be a one-and-done player because he believes in Andy Enfield, who's been able to develop more so bigs in recent years, but it has been a, a pretty good developer and has got a couple one-and-dones in the last few years. Um, and I really think, you know, LeBron James has been pushing that. His main thing before he retires in the NBA has been, I want to play with Bronny. And so he's, he's not got many years left in the league. And I think they really want to expedite that process. And I think maybe some of the decision to go to USC could have been, well, we think he's going to develop here well under a good uh, coaching staff and a program that's been proven to have a few guys recently uh, go one and done. So, you know, that's obviously a motivation for them, and they're going to want to start uh, the, LeBron, the LeBron James, Bronny camp, or the, the James camp, we'll call it, will want him to start, no doubt about that. I don't know if it's going to be good for the team, though. If you look at the, if you look at the five they have right now, um, if, you, if, if you're assuming that Keyshaw Johnson does come, and I, I would like that transfer, I think that makes a lot of sense as sort of a, a Trey White replacement in terms of um, size and physical capability. I like that idea. But then you've got Isaiah Collier at the one, Boogie Ellis at the two. And then do you push Kobe Johnson to the bench? That's a, I just don't know if you can. His leap from his freshman to sophomore year was honestly incredible and just not really expected by the, by the fan base and by the team. But he, he stepped up as a shooter, was actually one of the better spot-up shooters on USC's team, surprisingly, this year. And I just don't know if you can take him out of the starting lineup because he was the best defender on the court and might have been one of the best defenders in the Pac-12 might have been most better, one of the best defenders in the nation to even step forward with that. Um, so it's kind of hard to see Ronnie pushing him to the bench, obviously assuming Collier and Boogie are safe. I think that's a fair assumption. Uh, but then if Johnson comes in, then all of a sudden you're now entertaining Bronny coming off the bench. And I think that's where he fits in best. It could be a spark plug for this team to put him in when you need a guy that can shoot, play good defense roll to the rim. I think some of his cutting ability is going to be interesting to see him maybe as even like a backdoor cut threat, a lob threat. He's got some bunnies. You're right. He's not a, not as supreme athlete as his dad, but he's, he's got some hops, no doubt about that. Um, so I, I think what would be best is him coming off the bench, 
Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, I think Andy and Phil might feel the pressure of the James Camp, of the fan base. People are going to come to those games to see him play minutes. And, you know, it's unfortunate. But honestly, from knowing Andy Enfield as a coach, I, I kind of honestly feel like he's going to be pretty uh, pretty strict about it and pretty uh, stick to your stuff. you got to earn your minutes. Um, he's kind of always been that way as a head coach. Doesn't really give free passes to, or preferential treatment to guys. Um, so that is definitely kind of a positive to take from that. Um, he might not feel the pressure as much as someone like me looking from the outside thinks that there <laughs> might be. Um, yeah, I think Bronny could slot in as a really good six man uh, to do more than what Reese Dixon Waters did last year. And he won Pac-12 six man of the year. So I don't think he starts. And I think that's why you mentioned, you know, he could be a spark plug, not a spark plug. If that place is packed, and USC comes out flat, and we saw that happen several times this year. What do you do? All you do is go, hey, Bronny, go in there, energize. And suddenly the crowd comes to life. Now the rest of the guys are like, all right, I got to pick it up. I got to go. And suddenly the whole team comes to life, I feel like. And I think, honestly, I think his skill set – now I thought this about Silas Demery. Um, I thought his skill set much more mirrored this than Bronny's necessarily because I think Bronny's a better shooter, not quite as long. I like, I really like Silas Demery. I'm d- disappointed not to get to see him uh, play in, in a USC uniform. But, uh, you know, Silas Demery reminded me of DeAnthony Melton coming in. Um, and I think Bronny can be similar to be, you know, that disruptor on defense. And that's going to be his first chore, his first activity. He's going to pick somebody up, you know, 70 feet from the basket type of thing. He's going to, you know, I just want you to use your energy on the defensive end. Hey, if you do stuff on the offensive end, that'll come. Let's make the, let, let, let that happen. We'll let that come to you. But let's just go out there and pick somebody up full court and kind of let Kobe Johnson was last year. Like, just be a defender, be a gnat, be someone that just is a bother. And then if you add stuff offensively, that's great. But if we lock everybody down, they don't score any points. It doesn't matter how many, you know, what we do on offense. Boogie can take care of that. Isaiah Collier will take care of that. So I think that would actually be a good role for him to start with. And then, hey, if we need you to be a knockdown shooter, maybe, you know, we'll pull you back a little bit defensively so you can save some energy type of thing, if that may be the case. But I think it could be like the Anthony Melton was as a freshman where he came off the bench and was just that ultimate energizer when he came in. And, and he ended up working his way into the starting lineup. And Kevin Porter Jr., that was similar. You know, his freshman year, he didn't start, you know, at the beginning of the season. And then before he got injured, he had just kind of got into the starting lineup before he had the, the thigh contusion that kept him out for forever. Um, so I, I think that might be the trajectory and say, hey, all right, we're going to start you on the bench. You earn your minutes. And, you know, if the offense isn't flowing or whatever, if the, the team isn't flowing and we need to make an adjustment, then they do. And that was kind of last year with Reese Dixon Waters that, you know, it just wasn't. You know, they weren't getting those good starts to begin the game, so they bring Reese off the bench and give you the instant offense. You know, I think Bronny can be the energizer rather than instant offense on the defensive end. And then, again, like I said, the the crowd's going to come off on his feet the first time he checks into a game because he's going to get announced by himself. I think that's what you want there. I think just from the energy standpoint, uh, especially if you're concerned about, you know, having energy issues like they've had sometimes in the past. So uh, that would be my role. I don't know that the, the James camp will push it. I, and I, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know them well enough to know how much they're going to try to push things. I don't think that was the case at Sierra Canyon. You know, I don't think that they really pushed like, Hey, you got to start him and, you know, Zaire Wade, they need to be starting over, Zaire Williamson and, you know, and BJ Boston. No, those guys were going to the NBA in a year and a half. So those were the guys that were going to start. And, you know, the, the two famous kids came off the bench, but they 
did their job and you know filled the role for that Sierra Canyon team. And I think they won a national, the not national, but a state title that year. Um, so you know that brings us to we talk about two guys there from Sierra Canyon that were one and done prospects. Do you think Bronny James is a one and done prospect? And I know there's more to this question than just his talents on the court because, like you said, his dad has kind of tied it to him that hey, I want to play with my son. So if that's the case and he's a free agent, he can basically say if you draft my boy. I'm coming there. So, you know, the Atlanta Hawks could end up with him. The Memphis Grizzlies, you know, they can bring Dylan Brooks back to be best friends with him. He could be the the uniting factor between them. The you know, who whatever team could end up with him. The the Washington Wizards could get the end of Jordan and the end of uh end of LeBron. Who knows? Um but because he's tied to that, that makes it this interesting dilemma, this interesting question. Now, how do you think it kind of plays out? What do you think is best maybe in terms of his development too? Yeah. So I just thought about a player that would be a really good example of a guy who came off the bench in college exclusively and yet ended up being a very high pick in the draft. Patrick Williams, fourth overall pick in the 2020 draft, the Chicago Bulls did not start a game for Florida state. Like, that is that is feasible. Like it is feasible for a guy, and he got picked high. I don't think Bronny's getting picked that high, and I don't think I, I really don't think anybody else thinks that he's not really like the upper echelon top five pick as of now. We don't know; things can change. But that's an example of a guy who just came off the bench and did what he needed to do. And I think a lot of the NBA scouting these days is drafting for potential. They don't really need to see a whole bunch of just on-court displays in college if they if they get the glimpses if they know that you're an athlete which he is Bronny, and if they know you've got shooting ability which he does have we'll see if it translates to kind of that next level of shooting if you have good defending a lot of a lot of teams are looking for three and d players nowadays it's just as simple as that so i think that it is totally attainable for Bronny to come off the bench the entire year. Do I think he will? No, because I think at some point he works his way in. Obviously, I mean, injuries are going to happen. There's no way this team goes through another season. I mean, college basketball, that's how college basketball is. That's how all sports are. you gotta, you got to adjust to that, and he's going to be the first guy off the bench, most likely, to you know, slot into that starting lineup. I don't think it'll be like Patrick Williams where he does not start a single game. Um, but – yeah, that, that, is, that is a path that has been done before and uh, that I think he can follow um, of kind of coming off the bench and just, you know, like, like we said, playing the game the right way. That's what he's used to is, is fitting into a system, showing that he can be a contributor um, wherever coach wants him. Uh, so I think, you know, there's definitely a case to be made that um, the LeBron James, like the, the James camp is going to push that, you know, you have fair, fair criticisms of that viewpoint with the way that they've attacked things at Sierra Canyon um, but yeah, I mean, coming off the bench, you're right. I can see it already. I can see Bronny stepping up. You see him hop off the bench. You just get get the crowd on their feet, and everybody's into it. It's just, and that that would definitely be electric. And that that is something USC basketball wants, and, and they need it. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Whether he is a one and done prospect, I think he probably is better suited to be a multi year guy. I think just as far as the development of his game. I think because Isaiah Collier is definitely going to be a one and done, and because Bronny is only six three, 
six three doesn't play in the NBA the way you know it might may have used to. You know, there's no Muggsy Bogues running around anymore. You have to be a big dude to be able to play in the NBA just because you got to be able to see over things. You got to be able to, you know, when you get switched on a seven footer that can also shoot, you got to be able to put a hand like all those things. There's very few guys that are six three and under. It's just it's a limited to sex, uh, small section of the NBA now. So a guy like Jordan McLaughlin, who's 5'10", 5'11", that's why it's been so incredible to see him stick in the NBA because at his height, it's very rare these days. So I think it's better for him. He, we know he can shoot a little bit. We know he can play some defense. But I think he's got to be a point guard in the NBA. So I think it's better suited for him, for Isaiah Collier to go one and done, and then for Bronny to take over as the point guard a second year. And, hey, maybe he's a two and done, and maybe that works. And, hey, maybe LeBron's body holds up another year, and they think it's best for him. We'll see how that kind of all plays out, obviously. Um, But I think for his development, I think that would be the best track for him. Now, the 2024 draft is being – lobbed as as one of the historically weak drafts so maybe that pushes them to hey you know because there's so few you know difference makers he's going to be kind of be lumped in you know after the first couple of guys he's going to be lumped in with the next 20 guys because there it's not deep so there's not 10 15 guys you feel like are impact players so that that second tier is pretty wide of guys that can stick on a roster rather than impact. Okay. This is a guy that you can build around type of thing like that. So maybe they see that as an opportunity. So that's another thing that we'll keep an eye on. Like, you know, how does that play out? What names go in the draft? What names come out of the draft still for this cycle to, to see, you know, how things change some of the international guys and all that type of stuff. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's move on to your expectations for the team next season. I mean, what are your expectations for just the environment, 
the 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 team we see on the court, how they play. What are you kind of your expectations? You know, first take a couple hours after this news breaks, and USC still, like we said, they're still recruiting Keyshawn Johnson. If they get that, they're probably done as far as you know the roster. That'll probably be set the roster. Um, I don't think they'll go out. I think they would have one more scholarship right on top of that, but I don't think they would use it at this time. Um, so what are kind of your expectations on what the roster looks like right now uh, for what this team will be next season and what the hoopla will be? The hype is going to be unreal. Uh, it, it's already starting. John Rothstein, CBS's basketball insider, has USC at eight. Eight in the way too early. I, that is unbelievable to me, as a, and, and I'm being a realist here. As a, as a guy who's watched this team uh, the last couple of years pretty intently, eight is very, very high. Uh, the, the program has been built on this defensive-minded basketball, and they've done a really good job of that. The offense has been a struggle at times. And last year, to give them credit, they really did figure it out at points. But you saw it collapse in those crucial moments, and it just continued to happen. It kind of seems like this pervasive thing. Now, they're, they're keeping the right guys and bringing the right guys in to change that. Um, but the hype is going to be unbelievable. And I got to be real. I, I could see this team crumbling under the pressure. I could. Uh, you know, it's going to be a very fun team. No doubt about that. The basketball is going to be fun. The games are going to be exciting. Galen's going to be rocking. I just don't know if when people see Bronny James, they see the number one recruit in the nation. They see they're keeping their leading score from last year. And they've got a five-star who didn't really get his footing because of injuries and whatnot. And Vinci Wuchukwu, who, in my opinion, I think he will take a very big step up. I think he's going to be a big piece for USC uh, next year. I think a lot of people on the outside that haven't completely watched this team all the time are going to say, and for just reasons, wow, this team could be in the kind of upper echelon top 10 teams in the nation. Um, and while I, I think they could certainly get there at a point in the season, uh, I just don't know if that's going to hold up uh, come come February and March when those those tournaments get underway. Um, you, you had the one Elite Eight run under Andy Enfield, and that was the Mobile years. Um, and that was a great team. They had a lot of great options. And maybe you can see this team kind of making a similar run if everything works out. But right now I kind of see that there's almost too many pieces to kind of fit to this puzzle right now. We still don't have exactly a clear – uh, idea of how the team's going to be laid out. You know, here's something I don't think people are talking about. Josh Morgan would have to like, if Vinci Wachuku is going to start and take a big step, Josh Morgan might have to hit the bench. And that's, that's kind of unbelievable for a guy who took a very big step up as a defender, particularly for USC last season. He's not going to want to hit the bench, but Lord knows that this team cannot run those two bigs at the same time. We saw that lineup and it was egregious. It was bad. Sure, give them more time to kind of work it out in practice. And I think that they could make kind of a, a one high, one low system maybe work. But I really don't believe that that two big men, two center uh, kind of approach is going to be there. Um, so, yeah, you're just going to have a lot of guys. Um, and I think, you know, to be honest with with Bronny, if if the media starts getting control, if if USC isn't doing so amazing and he's on the bench, people are parking for him to start. And he starts, and I could just see a lot of drama unfolding. I'm not gonna lie; it's 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 a lot of pressure for this program to hold up. And I'm I am taking a pessimistic view to jump. Don't get me wrong; I'm so incredibly excited. One, just as a student, you know, I, I have to be. But I mean, as a journalist, to obviously cover 
such a team with hype, you know, it's great. It's great for the clicks and reads. Like that's, that's, that's awesome. And it's just a cool experience to be watching fun basketball. I just am taking a realistic approach to begin with, with what this program can do to hold up to that kind of immense pressure that's going to be pushing on it. So I don't know if, if you're thinking any differently, Shotgun. I am. I'm being, I'll be the optimist. If you want to be the pessimist, that's fine. That's fine. You be the pessimist. I will be the opposite. Uh, you know, I won't be the curmudgeon, the old, the old curmudgeon with the gray hairs saying, you know, get off my lawn. I think the things that you point out, I think absolutely could happen. You know, I think they could fall apart, you know, and this is, this is the danger when you have a number one player, there's all the hype. And then obviously with Bronny, it takes it in a completely whole nother level. Um, and you know, how does the team deal with that? I had someone on the staff tell me they've never had to answer so many questions about a player that they, you know, were, this was a couple months ago. Like I've never had to answer so many questions about a player that we're not actively recruiting at the time, you know, that we haven't had sit down conversations with from current players, you know, and, you know, I don't know if that's Trey White. I don't know if that's Reese Dixon Waters. I think they were leaving on separate issues, you know, separate things that they want to do. Reese Wa- Dixon Waters won the ball in his hands more and Boogie Ellis comes back. That's not going to happen. Um, with Isaiah Collier coming in, that's not going to happen. He wants to be the playmaker on the wing himself. Um, with Trey White, like I said, he, this is fifth school and fifth year in five years. He's got his bounced around. I don't know if it was necessarily anything. The only one, Silas Demery is the only one that seems like, hey, that's that's probably because of all the rumor about Bronny and whatnot, um, and he didn't want to sit behind him. And, you know, that one could have been difficult just because Georgia, you know, a North Carolina kid coming across and, you know, wanting playing time, and Isaiah Collier is going to be the guy with the ball in his hand. So how do you manage that to begin with? But, yeah, there's going to be a lot of management of attitudes, of, you know, of personalities and stuff. I think that's all – that's going to be a big challenge for the coaching staff. However, it's not like Bronny James has been out here making those, since we referenced Dylan Brooks, those Dylan Brooks type of statements. You know, he's humble kid, good teammate. Everyone talks about doesn't go out in the media and talk a bunch, whether we like that or not as the media, you know, we want to get some answers. Um, but it's not like he's, you know, putting out there, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, press board, you know, the clippings and stuff like opponents aren't clipping all his, his quote, his tweets and stuff and saying, Oh, I can't believe this guy. I got to get this guy type of thing. That's not the case. He's just like, he's just goes about his business, does what the team needs for him to do, whether that, whatever that role has been as trans, you know, is, is transformed over his high school career. We'll see if he does the same at USC, Josh Morgan, you mentioned he may have to go to the bench. He's the kind of guy that's team first. Like they've got a bunch of team first guys and then you got an alpha dog in Isaiah Collier that can run the entire show. Now, even though he's a freshman, and I think the getting him and Boogie on the same page will be the biggest thing there. But I think it fits really well because he's going to open up so much for Boogie that I think Boogie's going to understand that as an older guy, all that type of stuff. Um, so you know, I think it's I think those things are going to work out actually. Um, and it'll be up to the coaching staff to keep everyone you know in line and going forward and doing all those things. Um, but I think the the unit really works well because there's so many guys that want to play defense. You know, Boogie Ellis isn't going to be your, you know, an all Pac-12 defender. He's not going to be an all, you know, a guy. But you have Isaiah Carr who who is 
capable of that. You have Kobe Johnson beside him. You have LeBron. I mean, you have Bronny. You have Josh Morgan. And Vince Wachuku, I think, is going to get better and better at not fouling and being able to be a rim protector in those things as well as as he gets more and more minutes. So I, I think that you got the the makings of a team that plays defense first. And then the two areas concerns, we, we talked a bunch about the different things, but the two areas concerns I have are, once again, the rebounding, because if you do go with a four-guard system, you know, if Keisha Johnson comes in, I think that's a boost because he rebounds a little bit better than Trey White did, and that was basically what they needed Trey White to do. Now, Bronny and Boogie and all those guys are going to have to – you're going to have to go rebound, and, you know, especially without Drew Peterson there this year. So that's a concern for me if you play that four-guard system again. And then the other one is just – is someone going to be the knockdown shooter? Now, a boogie off the ball, I think that helps because Isaiah Collier creates way more than Boogie does. But I think he can I think he can work out just the roster, you know, how they constructed the roster so far. And uh, as we're recording this, actually, uh someone sent me a uh, a tweet that, that Trey White has committed to Louisville. So congratulations to Trey White. Hope hope for the best for him there. Um, and you know, as they tr- try to turn that program around. But, you know, I think it can work. Now, we'll see. So my last question for you then, it's kind of a combo question. USC hasn't won a regular season Pac-12 title since my birth year, and that's a long time ago. So 1985. So, you know, almost 40 years now that they haven't won a Pac-12 title regular season. They haven't won an outright title since almost my dad's birthday, since 1961. So – I mean, it's 60 years since they've won an outright Pac-12 title. Now, obviously, UCLA has been phenomenal through Wooden and all that stuff, and it was, they couldn't sneak out one year. Like, they've had really good players at times. They couldn't sneak out one. So are the Trojans the favorites in the Pac-12 next season? And combined with that, what do you think the ceiling is for what this team can do if you know when they make the tournament? It's a great, great question. I think – the first thing I'm going to look to is actually the other opponents. Because I honestly think that that dictates it more than what USC is putting together at this rate. And like I said earlier, UCLA has experienced an unbelievable draining of their talent. And I feel bad for them. And I feel bad for Mick Cronin because they just had, it just lined up. I mean, this was the year for them and obviously injury stung. And that was very frustrating uh, from their perspective, no doubt. Um, because that team, in my opinion, was going to win the national title. Uh, I don't know how many if y'all watched it, but I mean, it was just, they were, they were unbelievable when they were on the court and healthy. Uh, but yeah, they've had this kind of exodus of talent. Tiger Campbell gone. I mean, Hawkins Jr. Gone. Amari Bailey gone, which I was surprised about. And even the Dembona might be gone. He entered the draft, but maintained his eligibility. So UCLA is going to take some blows and that is going to, t- it's like it, with that amount of turnover of some guys that you've relied on for two or three years now, uh, I, it's going to take some time for that theme to kind of get in the right spot and I do believe Mick Cronin is the head coach to do that quickly don't get me wrong I trust him as a head coach and it's it's UCLA basketball it's what they do they turn out competitive seasons but I think that they could definitely be in a regression year as for Arizona I don't see as much you know Kirk Risa off to the races and you know I I think that team maybe could could I I think as of now Arizona is still the biggest challenger um for for USC but the point is, the field has certainly come back to them a bit, and there's no doubt about that from last year with two really, really good teams in UCLA and Arizona last year, and they've come back. So if not now, then I don't know when. And obviously it's been however long since an outright title or a share of the title 
Um, and even those the Mobley seasons, it was incredible that they like just they, they kind of pretty much choked it uh, on those kind of final weeks leading up to it. Um, if it if it's not now, then I I really don't know when it is. Um, and I, I think it'll just be up to the mentality of the team down the stretch. Are you winning all those conference games? And then honestly, you know, the, the big thing this year with USC's uh, tournament races was the non-conference and the Florida Gulf Coast loss and things like that. Like they're not going to be able to have that sort of a slow start if they want to have um, ambitions in terms of getting a high seed in the tournament. And that's what I think is going to ultimately dictate how far they go is where can they get seeded Matchups are such a big thing, you know, as a Texas A&M fan coming from College Station, used to live there. You just feel wronged when you run into a team like Penn State as a 10 seed and they're coming in and Andrew Funk is making everything out like out of this world three point shots. They just shot the lights out that night and you feel like, how is this fair? And, you know, that happens with seeding every single year. There's always going to be matchups that are, you know, debatable and equitable and whatnot. Um, so it really matters for USC to have kind of a statement regular season. It starts with the non-con, goes all the way through the conference uh, play, and um, that will determine whether they can get one of those high seeds and just have an easier path. Um, just more margin for error. I think the team will, by that point, be gelled and have a good idea of who's doing what. Um, and we've seen that. Like, Enfield is Enfield took a team that was very clueless to start this last season and made it into a tournament team. So credit to him for that. And I think he can do that. I think he can get people playing the right way and in their specific roles. Um, so in terms of a tournament run, I, it, it's still so early to tell, you know, honestly, I think with the way that people are projecting it, it might be sweet 16 is, is the floor. And that sounds crazy, but that's the way people are projecting it. Like, I mean, it's a top 10 team you're looking at, a two, a three, a four seed if things go right. So maybe that's the uh, maybe that's the goal this year. And I definitely think that this kind of idea of oh, we got to the tournament, we can afford to lose in the first round. That's going to be thrown out the window. Absolutely, um, that was the case these last years with the Miami and Michigan State losses. And I don't blame them because again, this last season, the start of the season, it was just rough, and they really turned things around. And you had a five star who suffered cardiac arrest and couldn't play half the year. So you were kind of banking on that and you didn't get that. Now you've got the pieces in place. Now you've got the expectations. It's time to actually deliver. Um, so that's where I'm at. Still hard to tell right now, but yeah. I mean, this is similar to 2020 when Evan Mobley came in, you go, wow, the pieces they have, Isaiah Mobley, you know, see, take a step forward type of thing. And he did. Um, and give him a lot of credit. And there were some question marks with that team for sure. And Tajidi really stepped up and was, you know, a, a godsend for them as for what they needed. Uh, but, you know, going that season, you said this team has to get to the Sweet 16 or else this season's a failure. And I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I think looking at the roster right now, we'll see how it continues to develop. If there's any more changes, if Keisha Johnson, they get him, I think that even adds more to it. Um, but you feel like, yeah, Sweet 16 is the floor. If you don't get to the Sweet 16, it's a disappointing season because this is Isaiah Collier's year. Like, this is like 2020 is like, that's Evan Mobley's year. You know he's going to be one and done. Like, if you don't make something out of it, then you've wasted this, this season. And similar to, you know, what the football team has done on the defensive side in the transfer portal this season is like, if you don't fix your defense, you are wasting Caleb Williams, his one last season as your Heisman Trophy winner. 
And I think they've done a really good job of that. And I think Andy Enfield has done a good job of putting pieces around Isaiah Collier. Again, it, as long if Bronny can shoot and knock down shots in those ISLers, I think that's going to be crucial. I think that changes completely because their offense, that was the problem last year. Is they would get so stagnant because Drew or Boogie had to create everything because even when someone would dribble, drive, and kick out, they weren't knocking down the shots. You know, Trey White wasn't knocking down the outside shot or, you know, outside of Kobe Johnson really was the one guy and he was such a surprise. I think he takes another step forward. We didn't really mention him, but I think he's going to be a monster this year. You know, he's going to take that Jalen Clark role. And even though Andy Enfield said multiple times late in the season, he's like, he's the best that Kobe Johnson is the best defender in the Pac-12. And I wanted to be like, you know, Jalen Clark's right over there, right? You know, and he's the guy this year. But Kobe Johnson was right there. That was the thing is, like, both of those guys are so good defensively. Kobe Johnson's going to be that guy this year. It'll be interesting to see if he wins Pac-12 Defense Player of the Year or if there's some big that gets a ton of blocks and that, you know, how that uh, kind of um, uh, settles that kind of debate uh, and that the award. But, you know, I think they have a chance to be really good. If they can shoot and they rebound, then they've got playmakers. They've got a creator and Isaiah Collier that can get to the rim and do things. And if his shot continues to develop as well, I think it will be a real big for them. So, yeah, I, I think I agree with you that it's Sweet 16 or bust as far as, you know, feeling like this season is a failure, maybe even more than that, you know, depending on what they look like when we see them. And, uh, you know, one of the things you mentioned, their non-conference schedule, um, I can't remember who it was. If it was uh, if it was Goodman or if it was Rossin or who who exactly was one of the national guys mentioned tweeted out that it, the they will open the season at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Uh, now I know there was a tournament there. I think UCLA uh, opened with it or a day event um, this past year where you know they started T-Mobile, which is where the Pac-12 tournament is, and that's where they open the season. So it sounds like USC will be in that uh, event. So that's where they'll open the season. So if that is the case, you guys might want to go ahead and start, you know, looking at the dates and seeing if you can go out to uh, Vegas. Because why not go out to Vegas for a trip to open the season and see Bronny, see what they can do, see Isaiah Carr. It should be really fun. We're super excited, as you can tell, Adam and I, about the season and what it could be and how much fun it's going to be just to cover this team. Because again, we like it when you guys read our stuff and follow our stuff, and we've been covering the forty-two thirty-six. Cal Poly game, Adam was there for the Florida Gulf Coast and, you know, all those games last year that you're like, Ugh, what's going on with this team before they realized who they were as a team and kind of got things figured out. And even a couple of those later in the season, it's like, what's going on with this Arizona game? Um, so, you, you know, we're excited to see what this team can can be and should be a fun run and should be they're, – they're fun players too. Like Isaiah Collier is fun to watch. I'm telling you guys, if you haven't seen his highlights, if you haven't seen him play – you're going to have fun just watching him. He's a, he's a dude, and dudes are fun to watch. So, uh, and then you know, adding the celebrity of Bronny is going to be really fun too. And then I, I really hope to see Vince Wachuku take that step forward, just because of everything he's gone through. He has a chance to be an absolute monster. Um, so it, it should be fun. It should be really fun to to see. I know we're a long way away. It feels like right now, but you know, obviously some big news. We had to do an emergency podcast. We've, we've gone way longer than I anticipated. But Adam, I appreciate you taking the time. Any last things that, that any last thoughts that you wanted to throw out there uh, before we uh, wrap this one up? Yeah, I'm happy to be here, and it, it's just an overwhelming excitement. Like this is going to be, if nothing else, completely exciting, and that's just what you want to see with this USC basketball program, especially like I said, headed into the Big Ten, just to stir up some hype around the program, get some momentum. Like this might even be like 
best case scenario, it's a stepping stone year to kind of the next, the, the upper echelon of entering USC men's basketball into kind of the next level of college basketball programs. If you really want to think optimistic like that. Yeah. So a lot of opportunity ahead of us and I can't wait to tune in and see what's next. Yeah. It's going to be really fun. Like I said, it's going to be a fun team to watch. I think just because of the, the style of play that they have, but it's going to be fun for us to see, you know, for me to see the, the coaching staff, they earned, you know, the the fact that that place should be packed with the the what they took over and the infill took over to where they have been the last four or five years, being such a consistent winner in the Pac-12, consistent contender in the top three or four, and a consistent NCAA tournament team, and you know, making a run to Elite Eight, and just haven't had the fanfare. So uh, I'm excited for them to get that opportunity to to have a packed crowd and really get to experience, hopefully, get to experience that true. You know, like the Blue Bloods do, where the place is packed, even if it's you're playing Kinesius or Fairfield or whoever, because those are the two baseball teams I saw yesterday. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Herd on the Sidelines podcast, part of the Peristyle podcast family. I'm your host, Shotgun Spratlin, saying thank you to everyone for listening. Thanks to Adam for jumping on for this emergency podcast. Please like, share, subscribe, leave us a review on your podcast listening platform, and make sure you're checking out uscfootball.com for all your latest USC basketball news, as well as recruiting news, Caleb Williams news, Bronny James news, Juju Watkins news. It's almost like there's some dudes and, uh, you know, the most talented girl in, in America coming into a USC are going to be there. It's going to be a fun season, fun school year, I guess, overall uh, with, with where it's going. And I didn't even mention the, you know, the Dato Download podcast. You guys got to make sure you listen to that, too. The baseball team is going in the right direction. I think they're going to be, you know, take a big step forward next year, too. So, I, you know, it should be a banner year potentially for USC athletics next year. And it's going to be fun to to be around the programs and see, uh, you know, the excitement from the USC fans, especially after what it was like a couple years ago uh, when no one wanted to be a USC fan for a minute just because of everything that was going on, particularly with the football program. But that's going to be it for us. Thank you guys for, for listening. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. And I hope you guys can join us for the next episode.